We use our phones for everything at this point, and I am absolutely guilty of that. I look up recipes on my phone. I meal plan on my phone. I use my GPS, even though I know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But did you know that you can also use your phone for some sexy me time? Don't worry. Your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup dipsystories.com slash just break up. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like wishy-washy back and forth, (laughs) when your parents hate your partner, and good, true heartbreak. But... Before we get started, we want to offer you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not in any way qualified qualified to do any of this. No, definitely. We're not professionals. We have not been trained in this. No. We have no degrees in social work or self-help or psychology no. or love. I haven't even read a full Brene Brown book. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, and we... Uh, we're just as messy and sloppy as other people in the world. Perfect. And so this is all to say, please take our advice as you see fit. We're just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Welcome to episode 46, Sam. And there's something special about the 46th episode. What is it? It's live. <laughs> well, it is. all episodes sort of. are live. Oh, my God, I'm ruining this. But we are <laughs> doing a special birthday surprise party live recording episode on Facebook. So right now we are be- we are live streaming this recording session on Facebook live. Yep. Obviously that will have passed by the time this comes out on Monday. But um, we are doing it to celebrate our birthday, which is Sunday, June 2nd. Right. Coming up tomorrow, the day we're recording it. That's a little confusing. It is confusing because <laughs> this is coming out on Monday. Okay, maybe Ed- Spencer <laughs> can edit that out or just leave it and make me look stupid. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so we're doing this in celebration of our birthday, and we thought we would do like a Facebook live stream recording session, um, kind of as like a surprise party that we throw ourselves for ourselves, and we're so like, not surprise, surprise <laughs> you're celebrating us. <laughs> That's great. That's yeah, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Okay. Um, 
So check-in topic today, because our birthday is this week, mm-hmm. and you are turning a ripe 18, and I'm turning a ripe 56. That's right, yep. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so glad to be legal. <laughs> I know, you can finally start. <laughs> I can't wait to buy cigarettes and porn. I can't wait for you to get a tattoo on your forehead that says, I love Sierra. Ooh, ow. Yeah, went there really fast. <laughs> um, okay, so. I'm uncomfortable. How about just on your little tuchus? Okay, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I did see somebody with a Cardi B tattoo like right underneath their like butt line like the like oh, the uh-huh. this part of the butt you know yeah. um anyway that's where it could go <laughs> <laughs> anyway so the check-in topic is going to be all birthday themed but not really at all um <laughs> okay i think that summer and birthdays are similar to new year's like the time to like reflect on your year yeah. and think about what you've learned. Mm-hmm. So can you think of anything? Um, well, we had really hard years. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> bummer, getting a little bummer. Uh-huh, yep. Um, but like, can you think of anything that summarizes your 30th year? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that the number one thing I've learned is that you have to just like let things be. Hmm. Because I planned a wedding in my 30th year. Well, I didn't, I mean, I executed yes. on a wedding in my 30th year. Yeah. Which was like a, uh, an exercise in like, you can only plan so much and then you just have to like, totally let, let things go and also let other people take care of things too. And take care of you. Right. Yeah. Which was great. And then like the process, like going through the grieving process of my dad dying too. Right. Is like, you know, you can't you can't control anything like totally you can walk out the door at any time and have something horrible happen to you yeah and you there's no way that you can prepare for it and you just have to like roll with the punches totally and it's and it's like i would say that it's hard but it's actually really liberating to be in that mindset because it like it, you just relinquish all of the things that you're anxious about like there's not much that you can control and and like knowing that and embracing that means that like when things don't go your way, it's not like, oh, I didn't prepare enough for There's this. There's a freedom to yeah. that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That got really deep really fast. <laughs> but this is the quality content these 24 <laughs> people are live streaming us for. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I think that's totally real. When I think about my last calendar year, um, I think about, I think the big lesson that I learned is how easy it is to forget the prioritization of yourself. Mm -hmm. Like I, I started my 33rd, 32nd year really at a mental health low. And so I was putting, you know, when you are going through crisis, that's when you're like, I'm going to go to therapy or I'm going to walk every day, or that's when you put all the effort into yourself. Right. Right. And so this time last year, I like, June, July of last year, I I was feeling so healthy and so centered because I was doing things like meditating and walking and and reading self-help books and really prioritizing the self. And then later, like later in the year, I started, or like that, the birthday year, I started thinking like, why am I, why do I not prioritize that stuff when I'm 
when I'm stable. Like mm-hmm. when things are good, why don't I continue that journey into myself to yep. quote Rumi, you know? Um, and so I think that's something that I've reminded myself. And truly th- this time last year is when, when we coined the, the phrase head and heart work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true is I've, I've always been led by my heart. And this year is the year that I realized that they're so interconnected. Um, like if you, so much of your heartbreak can be, process through the lens of your head of your of your thinking you know you can change your thoughts about your emotions right you know um that we all have those tools within us yeah and i think that's like that's what's so important about head and heart work is like maintaining it even when you are in a good place because like because maintaining it when it when it's easy to do it makes it much easier for you to do it when it's hard and so like i've been i've been thinking about this a lot of like my when my dad died like if i had not been on this like mental health wellness journey, journey. for the past like 12 to 15 years yeah uh i don't think that i would have been able to handle it no and i and i'm not that's not to say that like people who aren't able to handle yeah the people get thrown into situations wherever they are in life right. and that's and that you know we're all on our journey and we're all trying to figure things out as we go along but for me like if i hadn't been as active in self-discovery, as active in like caring for myself, as active in like understanding the thought processes that like that take me to bad places, totally. I would not have been able to like move through that in the way that I was. And it wasn't easy, and it wasn't pleasant yeah. in any way. Yeah, yeah, and it's not. And you're not saying and like I'm, not I'm done good. With it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I'm not yeah, done. Yeah. Like I'm still continuing. But I just think about like, wow, if I had been 18 year old Sam. Oh my goodness. And that had happened. Like, I don't know how I would have recovered from it. And it's because of the fact that I have have these tools in my toolbox that I can pull out that just make the job less awful. Yeah. And it's about, like, maintaining all of those. It's about, like, taking the tools out and, like, making sure that they're well-oiled and, like, that they're not rusty. Totally. So that if something bad happens, which none of us can control because the universe will continue to devastate us. Right, the universe laughs at plans. Absolutely. Um, Being like having those tools in your toolbox, even when you're feeling good so that if something bad happens, you are ready for it. Totally. I think I can't think about this year without thinking about your father, without thinking about this podcast and and also my grandmother. Mm -hmm. Um, I lost my grandmother in January and that incident was like a little compounded. It was because it was like, nobody, (laughs) nobody knows about this, but the day and this is not, there's no hierarchy here, <laughs> but the, but the, because there's just not, it's just compounded for both of us. Yep. The day that Sam, um, Sam's father was found dead was the day that m- my grandmother died in front of me. Yep. And hours after I texted Sam, like it's over, she, you know, she's passed. Like, I love you. I can't wait to see you. Sam responded with this life changing, heartbreaking news. And, it um, it shift it shifted our whole community. It shifted our whole everything. Everything changed. But to think to to zero in on my grandmother for a moment, um, she it, I'm really grateful for the experience of like caretaking for her because like caretaking for somebody who is dying is a really powerful life changing experience. Yeah. And, um, it really shifted things in my perspective, but, but most importantly to like, to, to, to zero away from death for a moment, like, um, I, 
I just think I made that phrase up to zero away. I made that up, right? Like, that's not yeah. real. I think it's zero in. Yeah, yeah, but like I'm not like, I'm not like zero in, but away. <laughs> um, I didn't say it. I didn't say anything. No, no, I did. Uh, okay, so, but to, to zoom in and then to the right. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Go away from death for a moment. My grandmother was like, what was revealed to me in her dying was like how amazing she was at l like learning constantly. And mm -hmm. I think about that head and heart work. And I think about that the idea that we're constantly a student to the world yeah. makes, and to others, you mm -hmm. know, makes us not only it makes us more compassionate and empathetic, like ready to learn from other people or people who are different from us or people who are bringing different baggage to us, but it makes you ready and more humble to, to, the, to the pace of life, right? right? That life always changes. That you, If you think you are solidified in who you are, um, I feel sorry for how hard the world is going to crack you down. Mm -hmm. You know, like I want to be malleable. I want to feel like wet clay for the rest of my life, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and she was just super inspiring. So when I think about to, to, to not zero in on the loss or the, the tragedy of January, which was just a fucking shit show for everybody, um, I do think about my grandmother a lot these days in the months after um, her death and, and your father's death and thinking about like that life is so precious and time is precious and my intake of information is a privilege mm -hmm. right like that's mm -hmm. what I think of and your dad was so into learning yep. he was so smart and he's so detail oriented and I think about how much um, both of them spent their time learning new things mm -hmm. um, and that's really what I've been thinking about and trying to carry into my uh, 33rd year mm -hmm. and that that particularly the idea, how often are we not the expert in something we're doing? Mm -hmm. And I mean like an expert, like driving the same route to work every day, you're an expert of that route, Yeah. right? Um, having the same, making the same food for your partner every week, you're an expert in that. Or like staying within the parameters of the niceties of your family, you're an expert in that. You've been doing that for 30 years. But how often do we not only step outside of our comfort zone, but, but, actively engage things in which we are a student, mm -hmm. in which we are a child again, in which we are susceptible to true vulnerability because we are not an expert. Right. That's what I've been thinking about in my 33rd year. Wow. Yeah. Let's maybe talk a little like about some funny things. <laughs> Cause I feel like we got really serious really fast. Uh huh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What's the funny thing that's happened? Uh, I don't know. I lived with you. <laughs> You did. You lived here. Yeah. What else? Um, maybe just breakup listeners will pay for us to get a matching tattoo. Wow. Okay. That's commitment. Don't be afraid of commitment, <laughs> friends. <laughs> um, I don't know. What's funny? The podcast is funny. The podcast is great. The podcast has been... So fun. It has. Yeah. It's been so rewarding. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's so much work. Yeah. It's way more work than I ever thought. Absolutely. Also, I got married in my 30th year, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cheers to that. <laughs> hey, Peter. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. And that was fun. Yeah, totally. Um, there's so many good things. I actually feel like even though this year was very difficult, um, I, I really loved this year, the way that I lived it. Mm. Like I, I, I left my 32nd, no, my 31st year feeling really unwell. Like I had a really low mental health dip this time last year. And I feel like even though this year it might be the most difficult for me and my community and my loved ones, mm -hmm. I feel like the most equipped to handle it. 
That's good. Yeah. 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 That's great. Good. This is not. This is not my year. No, totally. <laughs> I mean, it was like, and that's the issue is that like it's the year I got married. <laughs> yeah, totally. I know. I know. I'll Which fucking... is like awesome Ugh. and great and like one of the greatest days of my life, and then also like probably the worst day of my life as well. Totally, a hundred percent. Yeah. But you know, time is a construct. So like, what is a year anyway? <laughs> what is a year? <laughs> what is life anyway? You right. know. You know, let's not just let's not put these things on ourselves. And but also, say, like, to be honest, like my one of my biggest like revelations of this year is just how everything is a fallacy. <laughs> like, like the internet <laughs> is going to spit out his teeth. <laughs> yeah, sorry. What's the, the internet is a fallacy? <laughs> <laughs> I meant like social media, like the idea that. We think we understand people when they cut us off in traffic. We're like, ah, you're a fucking bad person. Yep. Or we think we understand people when they hurt us and we're like, oh, you're a bad person. Or we think we understand uh, like life and death and disease and heartbreak and we think we get it, but everything is so much more nuanced and complex. And, and, and to go back to what you started with, it's not our job to understand it. Yep. Our not, a, jo- a job is not to get it all yep. or to understand it because I think we want to understand everything as like a form of conquering and controlling it, yep. but we can't, we can't do that. And so <laughs> this, this is the, the exact speech that I gave at my dad's funeral. Really? Yeah. Oh God, you're so beautiful. <laughs> to be fair, I wasn't there because I was working, but I went to the private family only one. <laughs> yes, you did. But that's exactly what it was, was like, uh, like I learned from my dad that in order to solve problems, you have to fully understand them. And the reality is, is that like, even if you understand them, you oh, can't bitch, solve I'm them. Cry. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what it is is like we think we know that bad drivers are awful people we think that we know that um people that are are causing us pain are, are doing bad it, people are and are doing it for malicious reasons totally and like and the thing is is that like at the end of my dad's life he thought that we his family were doing bad things to him because we were being bad people right. like, and that we didn't like him and the reality was is that we were doing things to him that hurt him because we loved him so much totally. and like, and so what is on us now, what we can learn from this experience is that like, sometimes the things that we feel like we understand aren't the way that we understand them. And what we need to do in this life is to move through it with empathy instead of seeking to intellectualize and understand everything. <laughs> and like, it's There's super a hard to that, but yeah. it is like, but that's what it is. And I think that that empathy and that understanding is going is not just going to solve it's not good for your just good for your mental health which it is right. but also i think will help us as humans humans totally. move through this world and like understand that people are even though people do awful things the the intent behind that is not always malicious and that we have the capacity to understand where people are coming from and and help them in changing their behavior if it's causing problems right I love that. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> Happy birthday, bitch! <laughs> we were like, this is a birthday episode, and then we just got so fucking real. But that's the reason why I brought up like the idea of real everything is a fallacy. Yeah. Is is because I love our podcast because we don't because we try to like show the cracks and the mess and the everyone is messy. Everyone is shit their pants. <laughs> It's actually, true. I can't actually think of a time that I have as an adult, but never as an adult, no. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, 
Yeah, let's get into some letters. Why am I holding the script? I don't, I don't need okay. it. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our first letter comes from Major Yikes. Writing from <laughs> like, a, like, a, like a general, <laughs> like a major for sure. Uh, writing from Single City, Alaska. 
Hi, Sam and Sierra. First, I wanted to say how much I enjoy listening to your podcast and love all that you have to say. Oh, thanks. You really give me a lot of insight into relationships, which got me thinking and now writing to you. A couple of months at work, a very small, and I mean very, very small, local airline, I noticed this cute guy who would come to town for work every so often. We'd see each other there and around town and always be making eye contact. I couldn't add him as a friend on Facebook because we had no mutuals, and I only knew his last name because of the nature of my job, and that felt creepy. So I did what any totally normal... (laughs) (laughs) You good? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I did what any totally normal person would do. I made a Tinder again. I'm not crazy, I swear, to see if he was on there. He was. I swiped right, and it was a match. After chatting a bit... Wait, wait, time out. Let's talk about one funny thing. Have you ever done anything creepy like that? Like created a Tinder just to find one person? (laughs) Yes. No? I I mean, I'm like an... I am like a sleuth online. (laughs) Like, I'm not... I'm not on any social media, but I can, like, find people on the internet. Uh, I definitely have, like, walked by a crush's house. Oh, I've done that, too. Yeah, to be like, oh, my God. I was just in that neighborhood. Oh, my God. And they're like, "Uh, I live in a (laughs) cornfield. I was like, I love corn. (laughs) I have so done that. I know. I'm trying to think of an example. I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, I mean, I've gone to places that I know people that I want to hang out with are at. Yeah. Like you know what I used to do when I, I was a lot younger, to. when I was like on yeah. OkCupid, when I was like 24 or 23, mm-hmm. I would like find somebody who I thought was cute and find a book that they had listed in their thing and then like put that book in my profile. <laughs> Your face, you know, oh, come on, it's about compatibility. You know, a lady was lonely. A lady was lonely. Oh my God. If that is not just like a ripe example of like what dating in your 20s is like exactly <laughs> like and i would never do that now and oh that's you like, like this book that's my favorite book <laughs> yeah i have the whole thing tattooed on my back just called to make the appointment today all right <clears throat> okay so uh major swiped right and it was a match after chatting a bit he said he was going to be in town for a week i gave him my number and he texted me when he arrived in town to make plans for a date we went out to dinner and it was nice he texted me after to say it was good he, spent, er, he sent a good morning text the next day, followed by an invite to lunch. I was kind of shook. He wanted to hang out in the light of day. We continued to text. He invited me over to his place for a movie. I expected him to make a move, but I wasn't surely, totally sure I wanted to sleep with him. So when we started making out, I made up a little lie that I couldn't because it was that time of the month. Oops. He leaves town, and I send a good to get to see you. We should hang out again if you're feeling it text. He never replied, so I just decided to take that and leave it. I also get a text from a family friend that he did some work at their house and told her husband how we went on some dates, and he was a super nice guy. All that people... (laughs) Red flag. (laughs) (laughs) All that people tell me about him is how he is so nice, which I know from experience with my ex-boyfriend doesn't always mean that they're nice in relationships. But anyway... Sometime passed and he was back in my town again. I got a text from him inviting me to come over. He starts all the major yikes to this situation ship. He, I show up and he doesn't mention his coworkers are also there. I walk in and they're all watching a movie, so I sit down and he doesn't even sit next to me. Real awkward. He was also super, super drunk. His coworkers go to bed and he suggests we lay down. Big surprise what's going to go down next. Plot twist, it is actually that time of the month for real this time. He was a super dick like asked if I was a virgin and then explained how we met on Tinder and what that meant. Yikes. Yeah. He proceeded to hook up 
We proceeded to hook up, even though I wasn't really feeling it for that reason, but he said it didn't bother him that I was on my period. It was a really bad hookup for obvious reasons, including an accidental head slam into the wall. Literally no idea, but I thought it was going to turn into an episode of Sex Sent Me to the ER for a Concussion. Is that a TV show? Sex Sent Me to the ER? It is. I'm sure. I think it's on like TLC or something. Which is also the the network that has the pimple doctor. Dr. Pimple Popper. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I watched that one time and I was like, this is disgusting. Oh, and I no, I love it. Again. I love that shit. I don't understand the fascination with popping pimples. Ugh. At all? At all. Oh, my God. I think you're in the minority here. Really? Yes. A hundo percento. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you heard me. Keep reading. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, <clears throat> Mike keeps falling. Okay, uh, so after he finishes in, like, literally two minutes or less, no joke, I say thanks and <laughs> Showing! <laughs> Days go by, we don't talk, and I'm ready to leave that shit alone. Then he has to come by my work to pick up a piece of freight. I swear up and down I was professional and cordial, maybe not overly friendly, but professional. The next day I received this long apology text saying that he could tell I wasn't happy about something, and he was sorry, sorry for not getting back to me, etc., and he hoped that I was okay. I told him I wasn't upset that he didn't text, but he said some uncool things, and I appreciate, I appreciate that he apologized. He said he didn't remember what he said, also a major yikes, and was super apologetic, sort of redeeming himself. More days go by with no texting, and then he out of the blue sends a message saying he hoped my day was good and that he had been busy with work. Totally understandable. I invite him to hang out. He's busy. This kind of repeats until one night I give him a bit of a hard time saying I was, think- I was starting to think we wouldn't hang out again. He provided a really in-depth reason about being busy, which I do believe. I sent a message basically saying that I understood. I just didn't want to keep bothering him if he didn't want to hang out again. I wanted to give him the chance to say what he wants or whatever. No response. Many days go by again. I text him. No response. I've seen him at work since, and things are weird. We went from being super nice and stuff to now just ignoring me. It's been a week since we talked at all now. I want to text him again, but I feel like I shouldn't because I'm afraid of more silence. I get this feeling that it, the next time it's convenient for him, he will text, which isn't cool for me, but I'm a weak bitch, so I know I'll give in. I am left with this feeling of what the fuck is going on now. Does he want to hook up again? I feel like his silence is also an answer, but he changed up real quick. And I am kind of confused in this middle ground. I should be fine with the casual hookup, but it can't just be one-sided whenever he is feeling like it. Even if he wants nothing, it would be cool for him to just say that it would be and we could chill. I contend, I tend to overthink everything, and that's what I've been doing about this situation. Thanks so much for reading. Much love to you all. Thanks, oh, Major. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Major. Thank you so much for writing. Um, yeah, this guy sounds like a waste of your time and energy. And also, like, <laughs> seriously sounds like every guy that I've, like, had a weird a with. sex encounter with. <laughs> weird sex encounter <laughs> episode title. <laughs> Weird sex encounters of the third kind. Yeah, okay, Major, let's just get into this. Because (laughs) what this is, is that you are avoiding the small discomfort of awkwardness or weirdness. Like, you're like, I don't want it to be weird. I don't want it to be weird. 
you 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 want to avoid that so much that you're justifying all of this disrespect and inadequacy. Yeah. Like that that's what this is. At the most, what is this guy gonna be in your life? At most, he's gonna be like a consensual hookup buddy that lasts two minutes every four weeks. Is that really worth shaving your legs for? And only wants you to have sex with him when he's drunk and has been like hanging out with his friends all night. Like that's not great. I just. <laughs> One thing I love about our podcast is people have to write out their experiences and then listen to them read back to them. Because if I listened to that back, I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm so what am I doing? Wasting my time with this person. No shame to you, uh, Major. I no, know we've all wasted time on people that we should not have wasted time. on. So much time. And and that's just the loop of heartbreak, right, of wanting affirmation or, or wanting clarity or wanting control and you might not feel like you want control but you want the clarity of him telling you that you that he doesn't want to be with you or or what he wants and and that unfortunately is wanting the universe to respond in a way that will make things clearer for you and it's just not going to happen right. on top of the fact that this person <laughs> like I wonder why like I like that I'm a forgiving person I like that I tend to be uh, more empathetic than distrustful. I, yep. I like that about myself. I think it's a, it's a positive thing. Um, but I do wonder, like, how and why the, like, strike one and you're out thing doesn't work more often in my love life. Like, mm -hmm. this this could be me, Major. Like, this could have happened, and I'd be like, oh, you want to hang out again? Oh, you want me to meet your mother and then clean your apartment? Like, I'm totally going to do that. Um, <laughs> All I ask for is not texting me back. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, I have, I have folded myself in again and again for the mediocrity of people who will treat me poorly. And why? Why don't right. I just have the self-respect and the... Like, why do I fear conflict or weirdness or awkwardness so much yep. that I would justify all of that, you know, yep. mediocrity? Why don't I just say, uh, excuse me, you didn't text me back for that whole time? Cool, I can understand that. Like, semi-strike, soft strike. Right. And then I go up to your apartment, you're wasted, and you, and you say a bunch of problematic shit about, like, me being a virgin and, that, and, and like, why you used Tinder to begin with. Like, I, I don't know. Like, why don't I allow that one strike to be enough. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And like the issue also uh, major is that you are giving this dude who doesn't seem like that great. And to begin with all of the control in this relationship, like you are saying like, he's the one that has to, has to make the clear break. He's yes. the one that has to say yes or no. He's yes. the one that has to text me back. He's the one that decides when, and we have sex and when we don't have sex. Like, and I want you to Oh my God, you're infuriating me as you say that. <laughs> like my blood started to boil. I was like, damn, that and, is so fucked up. Right. And, and so Major, I want to empower you to say that you get to make decisions in this situationship. He's not showing up in a way that you want him to show up. So you get to decide he's not enough for you and that yes. he can go fuck himself. Oh my God, it's totally about co-pilot pilot. Like why don't, get it? Because we're talking <laughs> this about is like good. an airline. Topical. <laughs> um, but so, uh, like, why don't we, what I was saying before in a metaphor is why don't we, we let ourselves be the pilot? Right. Like, we always sit secondary to somebody else. Like, we let them and their inadequacies drive the relationship. Yep. Fascinating. And I'm sure he's he's a fine dude. Like, I don't. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't <laughs> want to disparage him. But, like. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, but he's not showing up in the way that you need him to show up. Yeah. And no, that's, totally. And it's okay to say, I'm sure you're nice but this is what I want and it's not this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm sure you have a great relationship with your mother and you re- quote unquote respect women, but like, what is redeeming about this? <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure you're like a nice guy. <laughs> all four of our straight male listeners are like, oh, again. Are I know. Really and I also felt again? bad that all of these letters are from people who identify as women. So sorry. That's Not fine. a lot of diversity in that. That's right. And also everybody's on a journey and I'm sure, I'm sure he's doing what I would like in my life, I've ghosted people, right? We've talked about ghosting in really early episodes and the accountability of that. Like, I have done that. Yeah. Um, but, you know. He's just not, I think what we're trying to say is that he's just not worth all of this time and effort. Like, and why are we afraid of awkwardness? Why are we afraid yeah. of the weirdness? When you're like, when you can just be like, this ha- I'm the adult here. Like, I am the person who is going to do my job and, like, be cordial to you. But, like, yep. it, it can just be what it is. Awkward is only as awkward as you, as, as powerful as you let it to be. Oh, absolutely. My friend Jake decided that he was going to like cancel his belief in awkwardness <laughs> and was just like, awkward doesn't exist. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so like moves through the world being like, instead of constantly fixating on like, oh, I'm being awkward or like, this is an awkward situation was like, awkward doesn't exist. I'm just a person in a situation. Oh my God. I love that because it also aligns with my student of the world thing, right? Like yeah. that, that it's, it's intimidating to let go of control. It's intimidating to do something that you're new at. Um, and this is newness, right? Like to be like, oh God, I'm like, is this weird? Is this mm-hmm. uncomfortable? Do we have to work together? Like, but instead you can just say, this is what it is. We tried something. It didn't work because of whatever mutual or not so mutual inadequacies. Right. And uh, I'm going to move forward with this. Yep. I, yeah. I think that's the thing that I want to fixate on. I do want to echo, like, why do we seek control from people who aren't respecting us? Mm-hmm. You know, and why do or, we like, also... not, contro- not control, but like a uh, closure yeah. or whatever. Right. And why do we relinquish what we can actually control, which is our response to other people's shitty behavior. Yeah. To like allow the other person, like to say, I have no control over this. You have to, you, your shitty behavior dictates everything in our relationship. Yeah. In which, but you don't have to do that. You can be like, no, your shitty behavior is shitty. I get to react in the way that I want to react to totally. it. Totally. Totally. I totally agree. Um, Major, we hope this helps. Uh, we have both been in your shoes before. So many oh, times. So many times. <laughs> um, and we both have swallowed our own desires or, or bent ourselves into strange contortionist um, positions to, to, to please or to be available to people who, who, who would never do that for us. Right. But, the, but, the, but what you have to cue in on now is the head part of this head and heart work, right? Yeah. Because your heart says, I want things to be okay. I want to believe in the best in people. And I, I don't want it to be awkward. And I, I want love and affection, right? Yep. Your heart says that. But your head now has to step in and say, but I know I'm better than that. Mm-hmm. I deserve more. I'm powerful. And I can enact the boundaries to receive the respect and self-love I deserve. Yep. Major, we love you. We hope this helps. Thanks for writing. All right. Our next letter comes to us from Josie T, who is writing to us from The Void. Hi, friends. My name is Josie, and I've been listening to your podcast from the beginning, and I love how it found a home in my weekly routine. Your advice has helped me through many a sticky situation and has been a great supplement to my weekly therapy sessions to my own head and heart work. Oh, I love that so mm-hmm. much. Uh, my question is about parents meddling in relationships. Yikes. Okay, here goes. I, uh, I'm going to paraphrase it because it's a very long letter. 
Um, so I'm going to paraphrase this at the beginning. Basically, uh, Josie met her current boyfriend on Bumble not too long ago, and things are going... Hey, Bumble, you should sponsor us. Cha-ching. <laughs> uh, we really do, and we fit their branding. Like, their, in- their Instagram is the same as ours. Oh, I just bumped the mic. Also, this is super side note. Um, I was talking to a gay friend who's on Bumble about, like, how it works, because Bumble is, Gender like, identity? Male. Okay. Because uh, Bumble usually works where the the woman has to right. message the man before the man can respond. And he said it's just like Tinder. So it's like you have to match and then you can talk to each other, but there's no requirement of like who talks first. For people who identify yes, as a male. Okay, yeah. cool. All right, a little side note for you. Uh, so um, paraphrasing for you, Sam, Josie met her boyfriend on Bumble. Things are going really well. Mm-hmm. Um, in comparison to her last relationship that had emotional and sexual abuse in it. Her current relationship is like so completely opposite of that. Couldn't be farther from what she grew accustomed to in the past. And she's hella attracted to this guy, both physically, emotionally, soul, the whole shebang. And she feels like it's important to say, like she never feels anxious around him or nervous to bring up her thoughts. Like she just feels like wholly supported. Sounds like a good, true love. Right. Yeah. Um, Jumping into the letter. However, my parents do not like him at all, and I really don't know why. I, he does have a, quote, rougher outward appearance. He's in the Army and is from a career military family, has lots of tattoos, as do my own parents, and sometimes lacks a filter, and has n- only ever treated me in, with, in a respectful and loving manner. He's also pagan, which I don't even think I ever mentioned to my good Christian parents, trademark. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the first time my mom and stepdad invited him to our home, they completely ignored him and maybe spent a total of 30 minutes speaking to him over the two days that he stayed with us. Hmm. My boyfriend wanted to make a good impression. So we wore a button up shirt and went out of his way to properly introduce himself and try to get be involved in conversation, but was ultimately shut down. This was a slap in the face to both of us, especially because my boyfriend, um, my boyfriend's family welcomed me with open arms and nothing but warmth and kindness when he did not receive the same from my own family. Hmm. Not to mention he was already put off by the way they treat me, which is often rude, condescending, lacking boundaries, and overall unhealthy interactions. I avoid spending long periods of time with him for this reason. This past weekend, I spent an hour or so talking to my parents, and they expressed concerns that they see a bunch of red flags in our relationship and accused my boyfriend of manipulating me and controlling who I do and do not speak to. I was shocked at this accusation as they haven't spent enough time around him to even know whether or not it was accurate. And if they had, they would know that our relationship was built on a foundation of mutual trust and understanding that while we love each other, we are also our own independent people. He has even become great friends with my best friend who absolutely adores him and was just as baffled by these accusations as we were. When I tried to come to his defense and explain why the things they were saying were untrue and unfounded, they said things to me like, you don't have to explain anything to us, or we weren't just making this about an us versus him argument and, you, and making you choose sides. We're just telling you what we think about him. Or even just outright, quote, we don't want to hear what you have to say in his defense. Naturally, my boyfriend was upset to hear these things 
uh, that were being said about him and doesn't want anything to do with my family anymore and I don't blame him. I love my parents, but this was out of line and I tried to make it clear to everyone that this is how I feel. I would love for my boyfriend and family to be able to coexist and not have to be two complete, uh, completely separate parts of my lives, but I am not sure that I will ever that will ever be able to happen. My boyfriend and I have started to have conversations about how to handle pushback from my family on the, quote, big steps in our relationship going forward, such as moving in together um, and maybe even marriage one day. I don't want to have to consider excluding them from these parts of my life, but to be honest, I was already working with my therapist on how to extricate myself from their reign of control pre-relationship. Hmm. Should this be the final push for me to put even more distance between my parents and myself? Is it fair of me to ask my partner to put aside his feelings for the events that occurred to try to keep the peace? I don't want to lose this good, true love because my parents are assholes and created this false narrative to try to reign control over my life. Any advice or support would be greatly appreciated. With much love and frustrations, Josie. Wow. Yeah, I know. Josie, thanks so much for writing. This sounds like a really hard mm -hmm. situation. Ugh, it's so hard when you feel torn in multiple directions. And there's lots of power dynamics going on here. Whether, right. whether you are in control or not, there are, there are dynamics that are, that are opposing right now. Yep. And creating some tension. Absolutely. Um, I think that the first thing that I want to say to you, Josie, is that um, we often get told the narrative that our parents like know exactly what they're doing, that they <gasps> are taking care of us, that they know exactly the right thing to do. Um, but your parents are human, and yeah. they have their own blind spots. They have their own issues. They have their own biases. Um, and so it can be really hard to realize that your parents are making a mistake or are misunderstanding something. Um, but, but it's important to remember that they're, they're moving through this world in the same way that we are. Like we don't know what we're doing at any given moment. Yeah. We're all just, we're all just trying and using the experiences that we've had in order to, to make decisions. And I, and I think a lot, what comes to mind for me, the word of the day control, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, is that I think a lot of parents parent through control and yeah. they can do that when they're younger when children are younger because children need structure they need direction they need that type of um i don't know dynamic right and that can be really hard for some parents to let go of especially um a little like a more meddling parents if mm -hmm. i can say that yep. um that it's hard to to parent as a form of control because then you you might start finding narratives that aren't necessarily true to the experience of your children. Yep. Um, and they're definitely not sustainable. So if this was happening to me and my partnership or whatever, um, I would, my first instinct is, Josie, I, I would want to create a certain number of experiences where my parents could maybe get to know my partner better. Mm -hmm. um, like that's what my, just my human interaction would, or instinct would be, let me see if I can get them to get to know each other more because I know things become easier with time, no matter what they are. Right. However, I know that that is really tolling and really draining when you, when one party doesn't push or shove or, or one party, does, the parents don't want to change their mind. Your boyfriend's hurt mm -hmm. legitimately. Yep. You know, like there's that's, that's a legitimate feeling to feel unwelcomed and, and untrusted and scared, you know, yeah, for sure. Um, he's probably feeling really defensive. Yeah. And so to put them together in a room and be like, play, make yeah. friends <laughs> is really hard and, re and can be really draining. Um, so I just, I just wanted to say that though, because I would do that. I would try yeah. to like 
put them together in a space and mm-hmm. hope that it got better. But I think it's also like you again, you are the person that gets to make decisions about your life. Right. And so your your parents can feel a certain type of way about your boyfriend, but your boyfriend isn't going anywhere at this point. And like I do want to say like sometimes Sierra and I are like are there red flags here that maybe you're not seeing? But, yeah. But the fact that your best friend really likes him and like you're so baffled by this makes us think that this is something about your parents yeah, and when, not about your boyfriend. When we were prepping for this episode, Sam was like, well, do we, do we suggest listening to your parents? Mm-hmm. And, and we want to say, beca- because Sam and I believe in listening to the people around us. Yes. Yep. Right? Only to an extent and only if they've earned that listening. Absolutely. And it sounds like your parents are losing it again and again. And because your best friend really likes them and because you seem so baffled by this, like mm-hmm. a lot of times our intuition will show us what we need to know. We're, we're kind of, a, we're kind of in, on your team in this case For in sure. that we think that this is an attempt of your parents to be stubborn and to be mm-hmm. controlling and, yep. to, and to be unnecessarily um, judgmental because here's the other thing going back to control and parenting I don't have children but I think about how much of parenting is letting go yeah, right allowing sure. things to happen yep. and and your parents have to know that it's not just that you're that you might stay and marry this person that they don't like yep. it's that you might get your heart broken and they still can't stop you from you that. might date a person that could hurt you physically right. emotionally financially like I can only imagine what that would feel like to be a parent to see you in a relationship where they think that something like that is happening. Yeah. And like, that is really hard. Yeah, totally. But you know that this person is a good person. The people that are around you that you care about know that this person is a good person. Yeah, the people who are invested in your life. When I used to talk about like coming out, I, I used to think like, did I, do I have to, because I have not publicly dated a woman in a long time not Mm -hmm. since I was like younger I used to think like do I have to come out like do I have to tell people like my extended family that I'm bisexual and I've always dated the the plethora of genders Mm -hmm. and then I was like well if you're really actively in my life you already know right Right. and so in the same like vein of thinking like do you do these people truly know your life? Do they know your relationship? Can they comment upon it the way the people who are actively in your life? Yep. Uh, and, and I know it's 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 complicated because it is because parents have a specific weight in our lives, and also when we're in love, we we might not see what they see. Yep. Not 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 saying any shade to your boyfriend. He sounds like an awesome guy. But like maybe they're just seeing something that you don't mm-hmm. that you don't think is a problem and that's and that's okay. Yes. And I think what you can do in the situation is like feel confident in your knowledge that this person is a good person that you're dating. Feeling confident in the knowledge that the the people that are invested in your life like him Mm -hmm. and show up with that confidence. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a really difficult thing to do with parents Mm -hmm. because I know in my experience, like my, I wanted to please them all the time. Right. And I wanted to, no matter what, all of my actions were based on like, are my parents going to approve of this? And then like walking into situations with them, it would be like, what parts of myself can I show and what parts of myself can I, do I have to hide in order to get my parents approval? Yes. And oh my God. So real. And what helped for me was showing up 
as authentically me. Unapologetically and, too. Yes. And knowing that I have the right to take up space in my family relationship. As you are. Yes. And I... Your um, job as a son is not to be what they want you to be. Absolutely. And like I am in many ways what, what my parents wanted right. me to be, which is great. But I also am different from them in multiple ways. Right. And so like that I did have to like sit them down at one point and because they would come up to Minneapolis to visit my sister and they would go to my sister's house and they would never come to, to my neck of the woods to hang out right. with me or do the things that I was interested in. And I had to tell them like, I have a life here. Right. that I'm proud of, that right. I want you to be a part of. Ooh, chills. And you have to, and so I want you to come to me and not just expect me always to drive up to my sister's house. Right. Um, and like, that was good and they were very responsive to it. And I think the same thing has to happen here is that like, you have to walk into the situation and be like, this is the guy that I'm dating. I think he's a great guy. If he's not a great guy, we'll figure it out. But I love him and I'm, he's going to be a part of my life and there's not much that you can do about it. Right. So either get friendly with him and be nice to him or accept the fact that like There's he's not going anywhere right totally. this is you can't control their reactions to your boyfriend you that's, can only that's what i want to stress is up. that like think about how am i going to show up what boundaries am i going to set in place yep. and how am i going to prepare myself to not be disappointed when they don't react the way i want them to absolutely i i want to say josie that like in my 33rd year or this upcoming year what I've been working on the most with my parental relationship is practicing saying I am doing something not I'm thinking about doing something mm -hmm. because I constantly invite my specifically my father's approval into my life yep. and when I realize like the things that I'm nervous to tell him I'll say like well I'm thinking about doing this like I'm you know for example I'm thinking about quitting my job and he'll be like oh I shouldn't quit your job you should blah, 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 blah. Yep. instead of saying I am a 33-year-old woman. I have, <laughs> I've, I'm unhappy at this job. I have done the emotional, intellectual work to decide that this is the best decision for me. I'm just telling you because I love you, I'm quitting my job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, not an invitation to... I'm not looking for your opinion. Absolutely. And I think that's a, that was a passive way for me to do, to look for his affirmation yep. or acceptance. And then I realized, oh my God, I'm an adult. Like, of course <laughs> I want my dad's affection or like... Affirm affirmation or acceptance, but I'm not looking for it here. Yeah. So I had to work on literally changing the language that I was using because it was so ingrained in my head to say, Absolutely. I'm thinking about doing this or like, what if I did this? Even though I knew what I was going to do, I was just looking for his approval. Yep. Ugh, parents. <laughs> my mom listens to this podcast, so I just want to say I love you, mom. <laughs> oh my God. She's the best. She's number one. And I'm so glad that our relationship has become what it is. Oh, she's the best. Yeah. Um, I love you, Sue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, one more thing I want to touch on before uh, we move on, Josie, is that in the preparation of this, like moving forward, you also think like, remind yourself that a perfect in-law relationship rarely exists. True. So rarely. And when it does, it's very special. I'm not denying it. Like the times in which I have liked my partner's family have been so joyful and wonderful. And, yeah. and I'm so grateful for it because I really love the idea of community and family closeness. Like I, I love that. I love your family mm -hmm. that I'm close with them. It's, it's, it's one of my more favorite things in my life is that, that I have a relationship with your family. That's great. Yeah. Um, and I want that in my partners, but I just want to also set at the expectation that, that, 
mashing families together is not always smooth. No, definitely not. No, and and you don't know the intricacies. Like he do, he's never gonna know your parents the way you know, and vice versa. Right. Um. So it's not. I'm not saying lower your expectations. <laughs> lower your expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a new podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> Could have um, been an alternate title. Yeah, to this yeah, one yeah, for yeah. Sure. <laughs> um. But I am saying you might want to pick and choose your battles in terms of like when you're setting up your boundaries moving forward, it's like, am I not going to invite them to the wedding? No, I'm going to invite them to the wedding, but I'm not going to let them, I'm just going to tell them I'm getting married or whatever, you know, like yep. understand that, that it takes a long time to get to know somebody truly. And, sure. and if their hearts are closed, it's going to take them a while. I don't, I feel like Sam and I are not giving you specific advice to your family unit because we don't really know the intricacies of it and what mm -hmm. you're working on when you're the therapist. But I do think that there have been red flags in your family moving forward. And I would say the first step before cutting anyone out, before doing, before making any drastic moves, even though some moves, drastic moves are necessary. Yep. Before that, I would say work with your therapist, work with your partner, and work with yourself about how am I going to say affirmative statements that are authentic to me and my love life while maintaining that relationship? Yeah. You know, like how can I practice existing authentically in my family as my independent self coexisting next to my family? Like how, what does that look like? Yeah. And if that's impossible, then cut them out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Yep. Anybody can be toxic, including a family member or a lover. For sure. Start establishing those boundaries, and if those boundaries don't, if your family can't respect those boundaries, then that's when you can start talking about not interacting with them anymore. Yeah, I think what Sam said earlier about saying, this is not going to change, so if you can either be a part of this life or you can sit around and wait for something to go wrong, which feels like a really negative way to interact <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Sure. All right, Josie, we love you. We hope this helps. Thank you. All right, our last letter is from T.A., writing from Texas. Uh, T.A. writes, I've met my ex-boyfriend years ago when I started working at my first job. I was very attracted to him. I couldn't stop looking at him, and my heart fluttered every time he talked to me. He left for a new job, and I was bummed. We were perfect strangers, but I felt something more, and I had never been kissed by a guy before. A late bloomer, I guess. I ended up starting a new job a year later and liked this guy still after all this time. Over a little bit of time, we fell in love. As I write this, we're in the process of breaking up after four years. He feels like he lost himself in our relationship, and he has felt this way in past relationships, romantic or not. It seems to me he doesn't know what he wants, and he can't figure out that while figure that out while he's in the, this relationship. I'm still in love with him, so obviously it hurts. I was also diagnosed with MS last week, so I am feeling quite overwhelmed as of late. How do I know I will be okay without this person I have always loved? How do I let go of my hope that he'll come around a month from now and want, wanting to get back together? This is my first breakup from the only stranger I have ever opened myself up completely to. Hmm. I don't have any friends because he was the one I happily spent my time with, and I have no interest in a life without him. I feel stuck and want to be okay. Guess I don't understand how to move on. Oh, T.A., um, yeah, thank you so much for writing Yeah, and for sharing your heartbreak with us. Absolutely. And I think we picked this letter, T.A., because we felt it so Physically. Much. Yep. Physically felt it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So if it's so physical, then I'm going to start out by saying, take a deep breath in. Mm -hmm. <sighs> heartbreak 
and grief are such physical things. Yep. They are just like any other ailment or illness. They startle all of our senses because the understanding we had of the world is now completely stripped yep. and we're left with this stark, painful newness. Um, and it can really feel like a knife in your chest. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and you're afraid and, and you don't know how to move forward because it's new. Everything is new. But we're here to tell you, not only are we here to say heartbreak hurts, we're here, we see you, we feel this with you, but we're also here to say that new isn't bad. Mm-hmm. It's just new. Yep. This is a new, scary transition in your life. And, and heartbreak is always hard. Heartbreak is always scary. It is. And I, I think we forget that grief can be so physical and, and painful. And it is. I mean, there like studies have shown that, that grief... Um, at the loss of a loved one and also heartbreak of yeah. like breaking up with someone feels like physical pain. Like it's not just in our head that we're feeling this way, but like actually your body is reacting to it as if something physical has harmed you. Mm-hmm. And that I think is what makes it so hard, especially in a situation where you don't know where that relief is going to come from. Mm-hmm. And the idea of like, this is hurting, this is hurting me so badly who is going to fix it? How can I get this? How can I get the relief that I need from this physical pain? And the reality is, is that that physical pain doesn't go away except for head and heart work, except right. for time, except for space and distance and becoming a comp- uh, or becoming accustomed to the new world that has been dropped on you. Yes, absolutely. Um, I wrote in the notes, I wrote the, the roomy quote, the wound is the place where the light enters you. Mm-hmm. And I, I chose that quote because this time, that this, this process, this great transition that you're in is a painful one, mm-hmm. but all transitions are, all change sh- shifts you into some varying level of discomfort. But like Sam says, you, you it's not going to go away from... But, from somebody else or from a salve or from uh, numbing yourself down. It goes away just strictly with time, mm-hmm. with head and heart work, with, with shifting your attention and your energy to things that heal you, that bring you peace, yep. um, that bring you comfort. Yep. And everyone has the capacity and the inner wisdom right now as is to be the person they want to be. That might be hard to hear or to believe when you are feeling inadequate, when you're mm-hmm. feeling all of this newness and this absence. But, but he, if you two are sitting next to each other and he leaves, that doesn't make you any less whole of a person. Right. That makes your relationship over, but you are not over. You are still whole sitting in this room by yourself body, spirit, mind, soul, a hundred percent whole right now. You just don't have him next to you to fill out what you're afraid that you don't fulfill. Absolutely. Right. And, but what, what Sam and I want you to know is that you have everything you in, in you right now, you have all of the tools and the inner wisdom and the strength to be the person you want to be, to make friends without this person, to open up to another stranger, to love again, to get over this love and move on. Yep. It's just hard to see that in the haze of hurt and pain right now. Mm -hmm. And so we're here to just to acknowledge it, to say, we see you, we see this hurt. We know it sucks right now, but we promise it gets better with time. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that 
happens when you are going through a period of grief. Um, and this is what it is. You are going mm -hmm. through grief. You are mourning the loss of someone. Mm -hmm. um, even if he hasn't died, he is no longer in your life in the way that he was. Mm -hmm. um, and he's chosen that. Yep. Yep. I just want to say that, like, not in a tough love way. Like, I'm focusing on you and your hurt right now. And I don't want to get into the relationship. But I do want to say he chose this. Yep. And that is something that you both have to respect and accept. Yep. To say, like, oh, it's not about the future. Because right now he's choosing the, the anti-this. Yes. Um, but part of that, that grieving process is that the grief makes you focus so much on the absence, mm -hmm. makes you focus so much on what isn't there that it is hard to see the ways in which you are still surrounded by abundance. Abundance. And it's, and like, I'm telling you this and I know that this is not well, what Well, this thinking. is so hard to hear <laughs> right? when you're hurting. And I want to If you came to me when I was like broken <laughs> up with and you were like, Sierra, the universe is abundant. I'd be right. like, hey, where's the abundant <laughs> alcohol? <laughs> like, I'm going to drown myself in it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I like, I'm thinking about me like three months ago, right? Like yes. after my dad died. Totally. Like, if someone had been like, the world is full of abundance. I would have been like, fuck, fuck you. you. Go die. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, fuck you. When your dad dies, you'll know how this feels. Yeah, totally. And I want to say to you that I don't know how this feels because I don't, I don't know your situation. And I want to, um, and I want to say that what I can recognize that what I'm saying isn't actually helpful to you right. right now. But my hope is that if I can say this to you, eventually when you are ready and equipped and wanting to hear it, you'll remember this. Totally. Because like the things that people said to me when my dad died were, were stupid. Yes. People speak <laughs> stupidly in grief. But the things that people who have been through heartbreak in that way were able to talk to me about were so infinitely helpful. <laughs> I think the most eloquent thing I said to you was like, oh man, this fucking sucks. <laughs> like right? I tried not to overspeak, but I also just tried to be like, yeah, this fucking sucks. Like yeah. this sucks. Cause that, that felt like the most truthful non- consoling thing to say because yep. i didn't want to be like oh sam i'm so sorry yeah, i wanted to be like damn this fucking and it this, does yeah and, like i want to say that to you ta like it does fucking suck yes heartbreak fucking sucks and that is it's okay for you to be in that and to feel that and i want you to be in that and feel that but as someone who has been through heartbreak i also want to say to you that there is abundance in the universe that right now all you can feel is that absence and it's legit and you should feel that absence and like it hurts so bad as you begin to want to move towards something that doesn't hurt, look for the abundance around mm -hmm. you. Look for the things that you have within yourself and outside of yourself that you can turn to when this heartbreak becomes something that you don't want to feel anymore. And it's okay to want to sit in that heartbreak. It's totally. okay to want to feel bad. Yes. You absolutely can and should feel that. But when you are ready to find something that isn't that hurt, I, I want to promise you that there is everything inside and around you that you can look to to help you move towards something that isn't pain. Absolutely. I want you to say to yourself, every day I am stronger even if I don't feel like it. Oh, absolutely. Every day. Yep. Every day you feel strong. It, because we, yep. we, we forget that that nominal progress is still progress. We, for, we forget that sitting in pain is still progress. Acknowledging mm -hmm. pain is progress. Yep. Um, allowing ourselves to feel hurt and allowing ourselves to imagine a future is progress. Absolutely. And you are stronger every day, even if it, you're not showing up Absolutely. in that strength. Right? Totally. Like, even if, 
yesterday you were great and you went out and you walked around a, the lake with your friends and had a great time. And then today you're just feeling like I can't get off the couch. You are still growing in your right. strength, even if it's not expressing itself outwardly. Absolutely. We love you so much, TA. We hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing. All right, that brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. Every episode, we will shout out something we want to set you up with this week. We want to send you home with... A podcast called Cold. Oh, Cold, the podcast. Yes. I've listened to it. I love it. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's a true crime podcast. It's about a woman who lives in Utah who disappears. It's um, so fucked up. While her husband and her two children are on a camping trip in a snowstorm. <laughs> this... <laughs> In the middle of the night. Um, this makes me think of our very first episode. Our very first blind date was a true crime thing. So we're oh, going back to our roots. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Um, but this one I think was especially well done. It's in my vein, which is like heavy on details. Like tell me the entire story. It's like 15 episodes long. I know. And they're it was each really like long. an hour to an hour. But it was really entertaining. Yeah. And it's, and it's good. Like it's good content. It's laid out really well. So like you can follow the story. Um, and and they, it just tells a really, really good story. And they point story. out like red flags to be looking for in domestic violence or yes. emotionally manipulative relationships. And I feel not, like, do, not domestic violence. Yes. However, like he totally murdered her. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. Um, <laughs> and I feel like they also did a very good job of telling the story of the victim too. Like, Absolutely. And it wasn't just like, here's everything you need to know about the murder and the killer. It's like, here's who she was. Here's what she was interested in. Like reading from her diaries, like... It was just really good to get the full sense of her and also like grieve what happened too. Like right. I thought they did such a good job of like just telling Grieving. how tragic of a story totally. it was and not just like, oh, here's this crazy murder story. Yeah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah. It yeah, was yeah. like, oh, you really felt how deeply awful it was that this happened to this family. I totally agree. So uh, it's called Cold. You can check it out where you, wherever you get your podcasts. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right all right that wraps up our episode thank you so much for listening you can like us on facebook and you can follow us on twitter and instagram at just break up pod you can also slide into our dms send us your favorite relationship memes but most importantly you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com please send them here and not in our dms we get too many dms to sort out our letters so they have to be submitted at our website which is also where you can find our merchandise and our Patreon. If you subscribe for $5 a month, you get an extra episode every week. That would be awesome if you did that <laughs> at <laughs> patreon.com backslash just break up pod. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review. Please leave us more ratings and reviews. Because oh they yes. Really... Have you noticed yeah. that we haven't had one? In... We haven't had one in a while. Since so April. If you've so... been, yeah, if you've been listening for a while and really like it, like it doesn't have to be long, doesn't have to be eloquent. You just got to hit that five star and be like, this podcast is awesome. Yeah. It really helps us uh, reach more people, which is great. And it helps us keep the lights on. And uh, <laughs> you fucked up. I did. <laughs> it helps us keep the lights on and it helps us reach more broken hearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music recording, editing, producing by our friend Big Cats, except for today. I'm editing. I'm I'm recording it today. Oh, but he's going to edit it because Big Cats is at the 
uh, alien convention. He's at the alien convention. That's right. Yeah. Can we have him on to ask him questions about what that was like? Ooh, that'll be a fun check-in for next week. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, make sure to check out his podcast, which is why he's going to the alien conference, the What If podcast. And remember, today I want you to release all fears about not being perfect Release all fears about not being enough. You are good enough. You are whole enough. You are perfect in your own way. You are experiencing the universe around you in your own unique way. And most importantly, I want you to let go of your expectations. You are free to live the life you have dreamed, but that life will look any way it wants. I want you to let go of the need to control others and lean in, lean into the discomfort of allowing others to make their own way. This is a succumbing to the universe. This is a gratefulness. This is a presentness. And when you succumb to the universe, you will then see its abundance. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>